If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. It's time to fade the chalk. Fade the chalk. Presented by the FTN Network, helping you win your fantasy leagues and dominate in DFS. And now, here are your hosts, Derek Brown and Adam Pfeiffer. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Fade the Chalk Podcast, brought to you by the FTN Network. I'm your host, Ebro, and with me, as always, to break down another NFL draft prospect is my co-host, Adam Pfeiffer. Adam, you ready to talk some Trey Sermon today? I am, dude. I, I know that you definitely like Trey Sermon, um, and it's going to be interesting when we talk about him because I'm, I'm kind of like lukewarm. You know, I, I, there's some mm-hmm. good, there's some, I don't want to say bad, but uh, there's some parts of his game that definitely aren't as exciting as some of the other running backs in this class. So he, uh, we'll see. I mean, we'll see where we differ on him, I guess. I like him, man. I mean, there's definitely some parts that I think there's some flash and diving into his prospect profile. I think there's definitely a lot of things to like. It's going to be a lot about fit. But before we get too deep into Trey Sermon, got to bring up Collectible here. Fantastic, awesome site. Let's you buy and sell real equity shares and rare and exciting sports collectibles, sports cards, memorabilia, all kinds of stuff with share prices starting at just a dollar. So... Get dived into this. It is awesome, man. They have brand new items IPOing every single week. So head to the site, download the app, visit collectible.com slash FTM for all the details. Use the code FTM when you sign up. Chance to win limited edition Tops Project 70 cards signed by DJ Ski and over $10,000 in sports card prizes. Collectible.com slash FTN. All right, Adam, let's break down Trey Sermon, man. So... Looking at his prospect profile from a bird's eye view, four-star prospect per 24-7 sports heading into the collegiate level, had offers from Alabama, Auburn, Florida, all these huge schools, ended up going to Oklahoma, and you look at me, staying six foot tall, 213, um, a lot of the, there's a lot of noise and a lot of different things about his profile, but the dominator is really low, 17th percentile. His yards per carry is extremely high, 82nd percentile sitting at 6.5. The target share and his use in the passing game is not eye-popping. 4.6 uh, target percent target share sitting at 21st percentile. As soon as he hit Oklahoma, was a running mate right behind Rodney Anderson, got 744 rushing yards in that first season, seven total touchdowns. And then you see 
his his profile kind of like diminished because you're like, okay, well maybe he did some more things in 2018. It got a little bit better. 947 rushing yards, 13 total touchdowns. The pass game usage didn't bump up. Then you see another dip because of injury at Oklahoma in 2019, Ohio State. Literally, like, the guy went on a rampage versus Northwestern and Clemson, rolled up a ton of yardage, which really encompassed pretty much almost all or near, I mean, most of his production. For that season this last year in 2020, 870 rushing yards, 7.5 yards per carry, only four touchdowns, pass game usage, again, we're talking about here, bumped up a little bit, but not a ton, 8.4% target share, discussing all of that. Adam, what stands out to you, what, or, or what do you think we need to kind of pick apart first? Yeah, it's interesting because he was really at very little points of his collegiate career, whether he was at Oklahoma or when he was at Ohio State. He, he was never the lead back or anything really close to it. You know, you mentioned how not only did he split work with Rod, with Rod, Rodney Anderson, but like Jalen Hurts was running the ball at Oklahoma back then too, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. So like yep. he didn't get massive massive amounts of carries really until like you mentioned down the stretch in 2020 where in at the time the two most important games of the season for Ohio State the uh Sugar Bowl against Northwestern and then the national champion or the or sorry the Big Ten championship and then the Sugar Bowl against Clemson where he had 31 carries against Clemson for 193 yards and a touchdown and then the Northwestern game was like a record-breaking game he had 331 yards on 29 carries and two touchdowns and we didn't get to see much of him in the Alabama national championship game. Got hurt really early with, I think, a shoulder injury. So, mm-hmm. like, you would have liked to see at some point him be, like, a 18 to 25 touch running back. But, like, it is still at least encouraging that in those two huge games, he dominated and carried the, the, the offense for them and against Northwestern and Clemson. Um, but at the same time, you know, there there's – because he's we'll talk about some of his weaknesses especially in the passing game but like there are reasons why he wasn't you know a you know Najee Harris Javante not even Javante Williams had a huge workload because he split with Michael Carter but you get the point why he wasn't an every down back yeah and I mean going back to your original point like yes so he was sharing a backfield with Ronnie Anderson Baker Mayfield was the quarterback all the way back in 2017 um the injury season in 2019 yes Jalen Hurts and Kennedy Brooks um were there he moves over to Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, you're right, dude. Like, there are definitely things, like, as far as looking at his profile overall that are concerning. Like, he was never truly the guy. And why did it take so long? Like, why did it take so long for them to use him down the stretch? And really, he was never a massive part of a passing game at any point of his collegiate career. You know, so I, I think that there are definitely, like, there are spots to be concerned about his profile. But if you look at, like, if you dive deeper into his numbers, the one thing that I think that is is really encouraging about Trey Sermon is that, yes, the counting stats were not amazing in 2017. But we talk about with these college prospects and going to the NFL, we want to see early career collegiate production. And from an efficiency standpoint, and what he did on a per-carry basis was definitely there in 2017 in Oklahoma. Like, out of 227 running backs with 75 or more rushing attempts, he was 15th in yards after contact per attempt. 
Now, you saw that dip in 2018, 2019. Again, I said he was injured. That was 76th and 103rd out of 232 and 200 running backs. Now, we saw this bounce back in this last season where he was 19th in the same exact metric. Now, we're going to kind of get through like where his strengths are and stuff like that. And I think that there are some definite reasons when you diagnose like what happened inside these offenses. What were they asking out of Trey Sermon? In terms of, like, what were the reasons behind some of this dip in production outside of just injuries, Adam? You know, so I'll kick this off for us, man. I think that Trey Sermon is a really, really good zone runner. Like, his vision is really, really strong. I love how he diagnoses and presses the crease and then explodes with the hole. He's a good downhill runner, one-cut fashion. And really, we're talking about, like I was discussing his production you're looking at a guy in 2017 that if you were to, if you look at how much they ran zone versus gap and how many of those carries were split up between the two, Trey Sermon ran 63% zone in 2017. And I talked about the, the good efficiency metrics in that season. Now, 2018, he ran more gap. He was 55% gap, 40% zone. 2019, throw that out the window because he was hurt anyway. 2020, we saw him basically just a dominant zone runner. 81% of his runs were zone concepts. And so this all leads into, I want Trey Sermon at the next level to land with a team that's going to heavily incorporate zone concepts and that type of running scheme right. in his transition. Or yes, I think that he could struggle like he did in, co in college whenever he ran more gap concepts. That's the first one of the first things I noticed when watching Trey Sermon is like he like we have Travis Etienne who in this class is like he'll bounce runs outside. He'll try to get the home run. And if he gets daylight, he's gone. Javante is the guy that will just run through everybody and initiate and look for contact. And then Najee Harris is kind of just the do it all everything running back where like Trey Sermon is just kind of a no nonsense runner, right? Like he, he mm -hmm. finds the hole, he has good vision and he hits it and he hasn't exactly hit it with massive, massive breakaway game changing speed. But it's probably one of the reasons why he averaged such high yards per carry numbers in college, because he just, he had good vision. Uh, you know, if you have good enough vision, you're still going to rip off, you know, 15, 20 yard runs at a decent rate. I actually had a plot, uh, a ton of 15 plus yard runs last year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously, those didn't turn into 40, 50 yard runs. And we'll talk about that, I guess, with weaknesses. But yeah, I just think he's like a really solid, no nonsense runner that um, if we go towards some more strengths of his, like he has really good contact balance. He's not, he's not a Javante Williams or anybody like that in terms of just being able to bounce off tackles, but he does bounce off tackles. It's probably the best way he will get past defenders. Um, his footwork is decent enough. And I don't know how many times I'm sure you've seen it because you like him more than me. I'm sure you've watched him possibly more than me, but uh, pretty nasty stiff arm from Trey Sermon. I thought he was a great physical runner, man. And and I think that the burst is there more than the long speed. The long speed's not there. I think right. that he is going to be a guy. And, and some of these things, I mean, people talk about that with Najee Harris. Like, I don't really, like, in your transition to the NFL, how many guys are breaking off multiple, even in one season, 60, 70 yard runs. So I think it's a concern, but I think Trey Sermon, especially you're, we're talking about a guy that's six foot tall, two thirteen. Like he's a hand. That's full. Yeah, it's like ideal size for an NFL running back. Yeah, man. Like I think that he's got enough burst. Um, 
Look, we were talking about this in Slack last night. Where do I think that his 40 comes in at? Look, I, I think that if he's been working on speed, I know the shoulder injury and stuff like that, but that's not going to preclude him for as far as speed work coming into his pro day. I think that he could run in the four fives. I'm not going to be surprised. Like, if he runs a four six, am I going to be absolutely just shocked? No, I'm not going to be immensely shocked. But I think that his speed is a little bit underrated. Like, I'm not telling you that he is a burner by any stretch of the imagination. But for what he's able to do as far as one cut, get downhill, it really, I think that he's going to be landing spot dependent in that, I, like I talked about, I want him to go to a place that's going to incorporate a lot of zone runs. If that's the case, then I think that he has he has a good enough vision to compensate. He has enough burst to sit here and succeed at the next level. I don't even think his vision is good enough. I think it's just flat out good. Like I think yeah, that's agreed. Probably one of the strongest parts of his game. So I absolutely agree, man. Like I, his vision was one of the things that just kind of jumped out at me watching him, especially at the second level. Um, now is he a guy that's going to be jump cutting people and considering again, we're talking about his size. Can he get caught in the hole sometimes before building up ahead of steam? Yes. Those are definitively true. So jumping into some of the areas that where whether we want to phrase it like that are holes in his game or areas that he could improve. I mean, obviously we've discussed it a little bit already, Adam, the pass catching, Trey Sermon is not going to go to the NFL and make his hay as a pass-catching back. Right. He never had more than 16 receptions in any collegiate season. I don't think that he's going to be more than, like, can he be serviceable enough to where he can catch 25, 30 balls in a season? Yes, I think that that's fine. But as far as, like, outside of a guy that's there for dump-offs and that that's the— He'll the, have, like, Josh Jacobs-type passing game usage. Yeah, I mean, in, in considering if he is a guy that walks into a season where he gets 30 catches and he gets 200-plus carries, I think that's fine. You know, like, does they give him, like, the elite alpha dog upside? No, but I'm not talking about Trey Sermon in that light. Like, if Trey Sermon gets picked in the middle rounds and he turns into a consistent RB2, you know, however, like, however everything falls with him in the NFL, and he gets the chance, and he gets the role, and he doesn't let go of it, then you're happy considering probably where you got him in Dynasty Rookie Drafts. So I think the pass catching obviously is not going to be something that I think we're ever going to talk about Trey Sermon, and that being like something that he just immensely excels at. He's not got it in his range of outcomes, I think, to be a 50 or 60 catch guy in a season. And that's fine, man. I'm not expecting that out of Trey Sermon. Obviously, I've already discussed the long speed. That's not going to be part of his game. Like, he's a guy that if he's getting you 15-yard runs, 20-yard runs, he's breaking runs, and he's consistently eating up 10-yard runs, then I think that's fine, and that's really what your expectation should be going to the NFL level. But... Adam, anything else that stands out to you about Trey Sermon, that whether it's areas he can improve on or things that concern you about him? I mean, yeah, those were the clear, obvious ones, right? It was the he's not going to win many foot races. Mm -hmm. uh, even, like, definitely not against some of the better, like, faster corners, but, like, even some linebackers are probably going to chase him down uh, at the NFL level, which definitely isn't ideal for a running back. But this is a guy that's probably going to go outside the first three or four rounds. So it's not that there's a reason why he's not 
being viewed as an elite prospect at the running back position. But and and yeah, like it's it's tough. It's always a struggle to balance looking at prospects who weren't used or asked to do much in the passing game and just say they they can't produce as a pass catcher. Right. Mm -hmm. You have have to kind of watch the limited passing uh, reps that they did get. And and like it's not like Trey Sermon has bad hands or anything. There's a couple of. Uh, plays where like Justin Fields would scramble out and throw one like a little bit high and he'd adjust and make the catch. But like we all know, like he's not Najee Harris as a pass catcher or, you know, mm-hmm. Kenneth Gainwell or Michael Carter. Like he's just not. Um, but it, like you said, does that mean he can't go into an NFL offense if he's given, you know, a decent role and, and catch the ball? No, I don't I don't think he's I don't think it's like a weakness per se. It's just not a strength at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely makes sense, man. I think that his draft capital could vary widely. Like, I'm not going to be extremely surprised if he's a guy that goes undrafted. I'm also not going to be surprised if he does some great things at his pro day, or at least enough, considering what he did down the down the stretch of his last collegiate season. And, and I want to touch on that, because I think that that is going to lead into, like, what we're talking about landing spots. Because I think the draft capital for him could vary extremely, like, by a, by a lot here. Like, could he be a guy that I see go at the back end of the fourth round? Possibly. Like, if a team just gets in love with him, could he yeah, fall he'll be, he'll out of the draft? He'll be a Possibly. fourth or fifth round pick, I think. I think, I think that's think probably where he goes. I, I, I do, too. But if he were to fall out of the draft, it depends on what he does at his pro day to help his stock, but then also how much stock a team puts into what he showed down the stretch. So just to bring this up before we kind of – I want you to kick off here landing spots in a second – what he did versus North Clemson or Northwestern does need to be discussed a little bit more here because these are not bad teams. Like, these were not bad defenses. You look at Clemson's rush defense, they were ranked 13th in adjusted line yards and 10th in stuff rate. You had Northwestern, they were equally as good, Adam. Like, they were 21st in stuff rate and power success rate allowed. So he destroyed these two run defenses on the ground and they fed him. So to say that, like, all of this, in those two games, 60 carries, 524 rushing yards out of the 870 that he got in his final season, what he did versus really good competition does need to get brought up before we talk about landing spots. But, Adam, where could you see him going as far as NFL teams? And give me your pro comp for him. So I... (laughs) I gave you somebody that he kind of reminded me of last night in Slack, and um, I, don't know, I was I was surprised by this name. I'll say that. Yeah, and again, there's a reason that I'm not uh, working for ESPN or NFL Network as a scout because I'm not a scout, and I would never pretend to be. But on this podcast, you know, we 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 like to do player comps. Yep. They're never ever ever perfect. Um, but to me, he ran. A little similarly, especially because he lacks the top end speed, has good contact balance. He reminded me a little bit of Zach Moss, which mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it's a bad like Zach Moss isn't a bad player by any means. Mm-hmm. And you, we talked a lot about how Trey Sermon is kind of a, a no nonsense one cut running back. I think Zach Moss is definitely a better tackle breaker overall than than um than Trey Sermon, and he's he's had more of a track record as a pass catcher. But the way they move is very similar to me. It's a lot of one cut, and especially, you know, Zach Moss, we talk about zone. Zach Moss had 112 carries last year. 69 of them, nice, were out, were in zone concepts. So, like, mm-hmm. they, 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 they operate in similar running schemes. 
Um, they're so Zach Moss ran, I believe, like a four six five mm-hmm. uh, forty yard dash. Like I think Sermon could be, I think his ceiling is like four five seven four five eight maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, who knows? Because all these players are are running forties better than anybody expected. Like a lot more run like a four three five today. Like I don't know. We got we got to take these forties with a grain of salt. They're like I feel like That's everybody's fair. getting everybody's getting like you know spiked up with their forties right now. It's kind of crazy. But um. But it's kind of reminded me of a little bit, like a guy. It's not going to be a burner, but he can break enough tackles, can see the hole well. Um, I don't know. That that was my comp. Could be completely wrong. Probably am completely wrong. But that's kind of who I saw when I first watched him a little bit. So the only pushback that I'll give about Zach Moss is Zach Moss coming out. I think Trey Sermon has a little bit more burst than Moss did. Um, it will, I'm not going to dispute you on, on the long speed and stuff like that. And that's one of the things, like, I wasn't immensely in love with Zach Moss coming out as a prospect as much as other people were. The tackle-breaking ability was definitively there. With Trey Sermon, I think he has a little more burst. I think that he, he's got a little bit more wiggle to his game. With Moss, the other the other concern for me was all the injuries, and that's why I was a little lower mm. than some other people. What about, what about Alexander Madison? Madison, I can see. I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of falling in the same bucket because my range of outcomes as far as what it, it, my comp for him was anywhere between, I, I see a little bit of Jeremy Hill, who again is a guy that ran in the four sixes. So I'm not talking about a burner, but he walked into a heavy workload. Now injuries derailed his NFL career eventually, okay? He never paid off on what he showed at the very beginning of it. But... As a guy that can get downhill, one cut, wasn't a master in the passing game, my range for him was as far as like Jeremy Hill versus possibly, and this is, I'm not going to tell you that this isn't the high part of the range of outcomes for if Trey Sermon hits in the NFL level, but Corey Dillon was the other player that jumped out to me. I could see Madison, and again, we're talking about a lot of guys that, look, if they were to do extra speed work, could possibly they have run, or in this setting of this offseason running in the four fives possibly you know so Trey Sermon I'm not gonna be surprised if he runs a low four six I also will not be surprised if he runs a high four to five so that's kind of the range if anybody runs anything at this point (laughs) I mean look unless Trey Sermon just runs a four two and we're like okay never mind okay cancel it just cancel all of it forget all the numbers doesn't matter you know, I, I look. I, I do think that we have to take a, a take all of these numbers with a grain of salt. Um, outside of like some of the things like bench press reps and things like that, where it's like, okay, you know, that's probably a lot more solid than something else that's hand timed. But Adam, where could you see Trey Sermon landing in the NFL draft? Like, what teams stick out to you for him? There, it's tough because. Like, there's teams that could use more running back depth, but they mm-hmm. kind of addressed it in free agency, right? Like, the Giants yep. are a team that I've been uh, pushing a backup running back to for a while. But, you know, and not to say that all of a sudden they can't draft a backup running back because they brought in Devontae Booker. Um, but I think they'll, they'll probably have other needs. But, again, it's like Trey Sermon's going to be a fourth, fifth-round pick. So maybe still the Giants if they want to give him a look at that point. Um you, I know you talk about Jacksonville a lot, but I don't Jacksonville, like you got to get a different running back. Like, you know, James Robinson's obviously not a burner. Trey Sermon's on a burner. Like Carl Sides on a burner. Like if they're going to draft a running back, 
in this draft class. Go get somebody that, that can break off runs and, and mm-hmm. can contribute more in the passing game. So I don't know if that would be a good one. I don't like honestly, I struggled with this. Usually I have a handful of teams ready, mm-hmm. but there there's not really like Atlanta, maybe. You know, they they yep. I, I think they if they're gonna address a running back position, they would do it earlier than than a pick where they would get Trey Sermon. Um and honestly, like Carolina needs a backup running back. I'm not saying that they're gonna draft one anywhere close to the fifth or the, to the first couple of rounds, but throw in the fifth round, you know, why not? Well, we've heard Carolina like I and and the name escapes me right now. There was a free agent recently. It's Chris Carson. Yes, his they name got brought Jeremy up. Jeremy Fowler mm-hmm. from ESPN while we were doing the free agency podcast, or, or like right when Carson signed. He came out and tweeted that the Panthers actually showed interest in Chris Carson. So, and, and I think that's notable, man. I mean, and you're talking about Atlanta. If Atlanta doesn't address the running back position early, that was one of the spots I have written down here because you look at Arthur Smith, Derrick Henry last year, and I'm not talking about big physical runners, and I'm not talking about the paper thin comparisons. Nobody's talking about Derrick Henry and Trey Sermon in the same damn sentence. Yeah, so, like we shouldn't don't go be there. allowed to compare anybody to Derrick Henry. Ever. Hell no, that dude is a unicorn. Like the Just AJ like Dillon nobody... comps last year, like yeah, he's Derrick oh, Henry. Oh god, like, it's yeah, terrible. he's not. <laughs> he's not. Those were terrible when they were made. They're terrible now. They're horrible. It's just like everybody that comes out that's super fast is Tyreek Hill. Every running yeah. back that comes out that's above six foot is not damn Derrick Henry. So get that out of your your vernacular. But with Atlanta, I like the fit because you do have Arthur Smith landing there. Derrick Henry had the most zone rushing attempts, 67% of his runs last year, for any running back. So as far as like if they were not to address the position early and they sign like say like one of these or trade for a cheap veteran running back. I mean, they got Mike and Davis, then, but that's it. Yeah, but I mean, like, if they were to pair Davis and Trey Sermon and saying, okay, whoever wins the job, let's go, you know, and not put a ton into the position, I could see that. Um, Chicago also made some sense, but they just signed Damian Williams. They made some sense because David Montgomery, 82% of his rushing attempts last year were zone runs. Uh, the only other place that I have written down here that is a possibility he doesn't really fit the archetype for what they look for in running backs. But if, if look, if Kyle Shanahan really, really enjoyed what he saw out of Jeff Wilson as far as a volume runner, a guy that is not insane in the passing game, but he can handle carries, he's good in his own scheme. You have, and everybody talks about the zone scheme. San Francisco, 60, 66.2% of their carries last year we're in zone concepts. So it's a possibility if we're talking about, and they've been known to do it, man. They don't put a lot into the position. They either, like they run out guys that are late round yeah. picks, mid we, round we picks. We need to start talking about them as a running back landing spot. Not in the first it's two possible. rounds. It's possible. Dude, they have Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert who have missed so many games the last two years. Yeah. Tevin Coleman's gone. Jermichael Hasty's still there, but he didn't do enough last year to sit here and like cement himself as the guy either. And he was a UDFA. Like, San Francisco yeah. is a really sneaky spot to take a running back in, say, round five or something, and then, like, if they were to hit or pull away from the competition in training camp, a guy that we need to be looking at in a spot we need to be looking at for a possible running back to land in. Yeah, and by the way, Tevin Coleman signing with the Jets, so uh, your comp for Travis Etienne was Tevin Coleman, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
They basically just said, well, you know, why, why, why draft ETN when we can just go out and sign uh, ET, uh, ETN but older? It's all good. <laughs> yeah, but I think the 49ers are, are really sneaky for a, a later round running back because, like you said, like when they had the injuries last year, they weren't shy of giving Jamichael Hasty meaningful touches. Yeah, they weren't, man. And and then he goes down with the injury, and it's all what could have happened. Yes, I cried. I cried deeply into my pillow for many, many nights. Um, I think that these are all plausible landing spots. I mean, the big thing about Trey Sermon is, and we've hammered on this continuously, I want him to go to a team that is going to not run him in gap schemes. I want him in his own rushing scheme. I want that to happen because I think that he could really surprise some people. If everything were to break his way, he could really, really surprise some people if he lands in the right scheme. But everyone, that is our prospect profile for Trey Sermon, bringing all of this down. So if you want to get some Trey Sermon action, heck, if you want to sit here and start hammering on these rookie running backs in drafts, you've got to head over to Best Ball. Use the promo code FTN. All these guys, Adam and I just discussed our value targets in these Best Ball drafts right now. Tune into that episode. Get signed up. Get drafting, no trades, no sitting your lineups, and enjoy it today. Underdog.com, use the promo code FTN. Adam and I are going to be back discussing more NFL draft prospects. For Faith the Chalk, we are out. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Fade the Chalk with Derek and Adam. Make sure to follow your hosts and the podcast on Twitter at DBRO underscore FFB at AP Pfeiffer 24 and at Chalk Fade. Smash that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.